bad is what I want to do is encourage people the bad things, but give people opportunity to look at what God is doing good in our lives and to encourage each other. I think that's why we have our testimony time. That's why we, we talk about what God has done to encourage one another. But also that in the tough times, we've got someone that we can talk to and share with what's going on in my life. Let me tell you what's going on in my life and let's pray about it. The scripture says, pray about everything. Pray without ceasing, the scripture says. And we're going to continue to talk about what it means to express Christianity in our culture. Not with just well-meaning platitudes or those internet memes or something like that, but genuine love for one another as Christ-like Christ followers and what it means to be a community. And we're talking about what it means to do life together and how we express to those both inside and outside what it means to look out for each other, what it means to say, I've, I've got your back. And I want to read this Galatians 5 and a little bit from 6 just to set the scene here of what this means. It says, you were called to freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up like this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Let's not become conceited, competing against one another, envying another. My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, uh, you who have received the Spirit should restore, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you are not yourselves tempted, but bear one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Bearing one another, upholding one another, uplifting one another. That is the sense that I've got your back. I'm here for you. And this is what we're talking about this morning, how we express our love to one another, what it means to belong to one another. And that's really my, my thing this morning is belonging. What does belonging mean? And then you come into believing and then you come into becoming. So it's belong, believe, become. And I think God is doing something at Lighthouse in our community. And we can look at church history. We can look at how things have been and we can pray and we can ask God, what kind of church and community are we supposed to be? And I read this in Isaiah 43 this week. It says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do you not receive it? Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, the streams in the wastelands, the wild animals, they honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I have provided water in the wilderness, streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. That's Isaiah 43, 18 to 20. There's something new, and what it's going to do, it's going to refresh us. It's going to restore us. It's going to transform us into those genuine Christ-like Christ followers that we're supposed to be in our culture today. You know, we use the word church, but the word church has a, 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 a 
kind of an idea. When you hear church, what do you think? You know, and we're not get, we're not stop calling ourselves church because church actually means those who are called out. But in our culture, it means something different. But what does it mean to be a genuine Christ-like Christ follower? What does it mean when Jesus said to his disciples, come with me, stay with me, eat with me, learn from me, follow me, come belong to me, be my disciples. That word discipline, disciple, that's a follower of Christ, what it means to be disciplined, what it means to be discipled, what it means, you know, we we need to unpack all of this, what it means to be those Christ-like Christ followers. And when Jesus said, come with me and I will make you, that's where the becoming comes in. You see, it's belonging often comes first, that sense that I belong Then it comes, okay, well, there's things I need to change about what I believe. And then as we learn more about what God is doing, then our beliefs change. And we begin to have faith where we didn't have faith before. And then our life begins to change and transform. And we become who we're supposed to be in Christ. And there are influences on our culture. I was thinking about this week, though, with social media is a big influence on our culture today. Also, the the new atheism is is an influence, and and it's almost destroying not just people's belief in God as a foundation, but it's destroying the actual need to believe anything at all. And I think when you begin to undermine these things in our culture, then our culture becomes in trouble. We need to bring back the idea and the thing of that God is the foundation to our culture. He's the foundation to our society. He's the foundation of our beliefs. And this is where we need to bring this in and bringing people in to a place where they feel like they belong. Not just trying to convince people to believe in something, uh, but co- bringing them into a place of belonging. I read a statistic in, a tradi- in traditional churches that for every one person joins the church, six people are leaving the church. You know, maybe this is the fruit of the enlightenment that happened sort of a few hundred years ago and this philosophy that we decided that culture doesn't need God as its underpinning foundation. But I tell you, it does. And when the, the, the problem, when belief itself is eroded, the culture then goes into a place of hopelessness and helplessness. Scripture says if you're without Christ, you're without hope. And we see that in the world today. And we only have to look at the culture around us and think we've got to stop the rot. We've got to do something. We've got to get the good news, the message out there that there's a kingdom of God. There's a place for you. There's a place where you belong, and there's a place where your life doesn't have to be going down towards hell, but your life can be changed and transformed, and it can bring heaven on earth. We can have that heavenly kingdom on earth. And whilst people are leaving formal religions, they still have questions that our culture is not able to answer. And we have to think seriously about what we are doing here to address the needs of our culture. And what are we building here? What community are we building here? And what are we asking people to do to be part of this community? And we need to encourage ourselves that, yes, we're doing a fantastic work, yet we need to be challenged enough that we know that things aren't as they should be. 
We know that if we look honestly at our own life and say things aren't as they're supposed to be, and I know it, and I need to grow, and I need to change, and I need to transform. You know, we don't come to church just because our ears like to be tickled with something positive. We need someone to say, come on, you can do better than this. Life can be great. Things can change. Things can turn around. That Yes, we need the balance. Yes, we need people to encourage us, but we need people to challenge us. And it's not like you come to church and we're going to wave this little wand and everything instantly is going to be fantastic and life's going to be great. And we're just going to fix everything that's gone wrong in your life. Hey, listen, it took you 15 years to get into this hell that you're in. It's not going to take five minutes to get out. But we are going to go with you. We're going to be with you because I've got your back. We're going to come through this and we're going to come out of this stronger than when we went into it. Because I'm here with you. I'm here with you. And it's not some magic ABC, but it's something that we are going to do life together. It's not going to disappear in one sermon on a Sunday morning. But we are here to encourage you and we are here to challenge you and say, I'm here for you. Just say that to your neighbor, I'm here for you. And your other neighbor, say, I've got your back. Are we open to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us that we can change and we can really hear what God's plan and purpose is for us? I want to challenge us this morning. You say, well, you know, Giles, I've heard this message so many times, but have you? Have you? You know, I go to a gym and I go to sign up for a gym and I go there and I say, listen, I'm not how I should be and I know it and I need some help. And I go to a trainer, and the trainer says, well, you need to do this, and you need to change your diet, and you need to get your exercise sorted, and you need to train, and you need to work hard. You can go to the doctor, and he'll probably tell you the same thing, right? So you go to the gym, you pay your money, and then he tells you you've got to change, and you get all offended with him. And he said, don't talk to me like that. How dare you talk to me like that? I didn't come here to change. And I'm like, seriously? What did you come here for? And you've paid money, and you get offended, so you go to another gym. That's it, I'm done with that gym. Can't have anyone telling me what to do. And you go to the next gym, and they say, yes, and you need to work. And they tell you, you need to work harder, and you need to train harder, and you need to do this. And it's like, right, that's it, I'm running out of gyms that I can go to. You know I'm not talking about gyms, really, don't you? But don't leave offended because someone tells you you need to change. But we need to be encouraging. Shall I do that just for a minute? All right, okay, I'll try. You know, I hear such good things about Lighthouse. I did, we did our talk in church last week, and, and we had real genuine, positive, encouraging experience. And people tell us how welcoming, how friendly we are, that we're doing a great job, and we are. And I think how we express our love for one another really does show that God is moving amongst us. And sometimes it takes someone from the outside to come in and go, wow, you've got something here. There is something that's going on. I was told this last weekend. It says, they went to a church and they said, you know what? It was like Lighthouse. I said, tell me how it was like Lighthouse. And said, well, everyone just loved everybody. And everyone was great. And they, they were comparing this other church to us. And I thought, oh, that's, that's, they've noticed something. You know, and maybe as, as humans, we're hardwired to only see problems. You know, you don't see things when they're working well, 
like you're walking along and you're not looking at the floor because the floor is pretty solid and it's going to do a good job and it's not going to let you down. But when you see an obstacle in your way, you do see it, don't you? And it's like, okay, I can see a problem, then fix the problem. But anyway, that's the other thought. Don't just moan about the problem, fix the problem. But when things go well, we're blind to it. But when things um, are going wrong, it seems like that's all we can see. And we know this. You know when you're, you're arguing or having a discussion with someone you love and you experience some anger? Have you ever felt that? They call it blind rage. They call it blind rage for a reason because you're blind to everything good they've ever done for you. And you can only see all the issues and the problems. And it's almost like you're hardwired. And, and, you're, and it links to your memory. And then you start to remember only the bad things that they've ever done. And that compounds to the anger. And it just builds and builds and builds. So then all you can see is like everything that's wrong. And I think, uh, wouldn't that be a shame if we came into a church like that? And, you know, the, all we could see was uh, the faults of others. And, and I don't think it takes a gift of the Spirit to find things that are wrong. You know, God is moving amongst us so powerfully. And I pray that God opens our eyes to see the good, not just the bad things that are going on. John the Baptist, he was in prison and life was just, you know, he had this wonderful ministry and now it is all over. And he sends his messages to Jesus and he's so disappointed. And he said, tell me, are you the one or have I just wasted my whole life? And Jesus wonderfully answers, go and tell John the good things that are happening. Encourage him. And then he says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Tell him the good things. Open his eyes. There's a servant. Is it Elisha or Elisha? There's, uh, the, the armies are against them. And the servant's like, oh, this is just awful. We're all going to die. And he says, God, open his eyes and see the multitudes of the heavenly armies that are on our side. I tell you, when we open our eyes and see just even a little glimpse of hope, we can see that God is for us. Who can be against us? Yeah, God is for us. God is with us. I pray today that God opens our eyes to see what he's doing, to see the good things. So we're talking about what kind of church we want to be. And we, we read, don't we, of the, these early Christians, how they expressed their commitment to one another, how they expressed their genuine faith. And they weren't without issues. They weren't without problems. But they did life together. And I know that we're not going to go and live in a commune or a monastery unless you would like to do that. Um, but we, we do know what it means to express love to one another. We do know that. And I think our commitment to one another shows in the way that we, we express that love, the way we do life together, the way people can go through tough times and we can come alongside them. You know, Jesus had a pattern. He sent out his 70, I think it was, in Luke 9 or 10. He sent his disciples out and he gave them specific instructions. And I'll read them here. He says, go and spend time with them. Bring peace to them. I tell you, peace is a real gift that you can bring to someone. You can bring to someone's life. And I tell you, that, that's a real gift. Spend time with them. Bring peace to them. Eat with them. Meet their needs. Pray for them. Then tell them about the kingdom of God. You see how that came right at the end? 
And we think that's often the most important thing, isn't it? We've got to get them to believe. No, well, actually, let's get them to feel like they belong. Belonging often comes before believing and then becomes, then at the end comes becoming part of God's kingdom. Anyway, let's pray. That was my introduction. I'm doing all right. Don't worry. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that we can open up a discussion this morning about what it means to be Christ-like, Christ-followers, what it means to be your people. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're doing something new at the Lighthouse, that you are creating a greater sense of belonging, a greater sense of believing, and a greater sense of becoming. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I really believe there's a shift happening. And I see it with our home groups. How many part of a home group here? Okay, just look around at those who are not in a home group. You didn't, they didn't put their hands up. I need you to go to them and say, come on, be part of my home group. Yeah, can you do that? I think there's a shift coming, and we're creating a place of genuine community, and it's helping us to grow in relationship. You know, discipleship happens through relationship. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, the process of belonging, what it means to belong. And it begins with us. Can we open our hearts to accept other people and embrace them even if they are different from us? Even if it's people maybe not in our church, maybe ones we would consider in an outside group. Maybe we would label them as sinners. But we can create a sense of belonging. Belonging means you have a home, and if you have a home, then God knows where to find you. We're not those who wander around with no roots. No, we are grounded in Scripture. We're grounded in prayer, and we're grounded in fellowship with one another. And I tell you, if you've been to Lighthouse for a little while, and you still feel like a visitor, then we've not done our job. If you've been coming, if you've, this is your first time, and good morning, you're welcome. We want every visitor to feel welcome, but we don't want you to feel a visitor after you've been here a little while. So what do you need to do? You need to make yourself known to us. We make ourselves known to you. You join a small group. You get involved in the life of the church. You volunteer in some capacity. You know, we don't want you to feel like you've been coming for months and months and months and still feel like a visitor. We want you to feel like you belong. We want you to be active. You know, people who are not active in their church, they get disconnected. And they withdraw very easily from, the, from fellowship. And withdrawing from fellowship has a devastating effect on our lives. You know, I talk to people and they say, oh, how's it going? Oh, it's not going so well. Well, what happened? Well, I stopped going to church. Okay, there you go. <laughs> I know the problem. And they come to me and say, Pastor, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. I said, well, have you prayed for yourself? Oh, no, I don't pray. Okay, I know your problem. What does the Bible say? Well, I don't read the Bible. Okay, well, again, I really know your problem here. And sometimes people want the pastor to tell them what to do or to come or to pray for them instead of pray with them. And it's like, come on, you're a Christian. You're a Christ follower. You can pray. You don't need me to cut up the meat for you. You know, you, you can hold a knife and fork. Come on. And it's that reality check, isn't it? It's that reality check. So come on. You're, you've disconnected. 
You've disconnected from fellowship, number one. You've disconnected from prayer. That's your fellowship with God. That's your lifeline. That's your, that's your blood flow. If you cut off the blood supply to a part of your body, it will not go well for that part of the body. Am I making any, any sense here? Is this, so, is this okay? I'm allowed to talk to you like this. That's okay. One of you. John in his letter, uh, you need to read the letters of John, they're wonderful. He's writing about the word of life. You need the word of life, and and Christ we know is the word of life, but it's also that words that come from the page by the Holy Spirit that feed our soul. And this is the basis for our connection. You know, it's nice that we can connect because we maybe like to play golf together. That would be great. Or we like to go running together. That would be a lovely way for us to connect or that we like the best football team in Manchester. That's a great way that we could connect with one another. But that's not the basis of our fellowship. That's not the basis of our connection. It's not that you love to have coffee and talk, although it's lovely to have coffee and talk. It's this in John 1 John 1, 3 says this, We declare to you what we have seen and what we have heard. Now John, he knew the Word of God Himself. He knew Jesus Christ. He was the one who lay on His chest. He was that close to Him. And He's beginning to share that experience with others. That's really powerful. That's the ba- one of the basis of our connection is let me tell you what God is speaking to me. Let me share with you a word. Let me tell you. Let me open what the Spirit is saying and I'm going to speak it to your heart. And do you ever have that when your heart comes alive, when someone speaks the Word of God and there's a connection? There's a joining. There's a, oh my word, there's a joining and that Spirit of God just comes in and you're like, this is my brother. This is my sister. Come on, Lorraine, you're with me. You know what this is like. And it almost gives you like... That feeling, doesn't it, inside? It says, let me declare to you what I've seen and what I've heard that you, so that you also may have fellowship with us. This is our connection because I'm starting to, to share the word of God. I'm starting to open a word of God. And, you know, Jesus on the road to Emmaus, they were saying, did our hearts not burn when he started to share God's word with us? And Christ joins us like that. He says, and truly our fellowship is with the Father, And with his son, Jesus Christ. You can see how the relationship works here. It's yes, we need that connection with one another, but we need that fellowship with the Father. And it doesn't matter if you're from a different background. It doesn't matter that you're part of a different social group to me. It doesn't matter that you're a different um, ethnicity to me, a gender to me. That doesn't matter. What matters is that my fellowship is with the Father. Your fellowship is with the Father. And we connect amongst what God is doing to us. And we become this group. This is our connection. And people who want to feel connected need to allow others to speak into their lives what God is saying to them. Now, I can do it here with a hundred of you. And I can pray about what I'm going to say. And I can read from the scripture and I can share with you. But actually, you need to begin to start sharing these things with one another. Because I can't have relationship like this with a hundred people in the way that I know that God wants us to have with one another. Does that make sense? You need to have somebody in your life that will speak the word of God directly to you and they won't risk upsetting you. Okay, That might not be me because if I speak to you, you're going to get really upset and you'll go to another gym or to another church. 
but you've got that connection with somebody. I do. I say to my friend Tom on the pastoral teams, I say, Tom, you, t- you tell me if I'm going wrong. <laughs> you, I, I give you permission to speak into my life. Joseph, same. And I can't have that with 100 people because if you'll come tell me what's wrong with me, I'll be destroyed. <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to come and criticize and moan at me, you know, because like it's, it's all my fault. Everything that's going through your life is, yeah, that's all my fault. Um, but I'm being sarcastic here. Is that okay? I don't even know what time I've got. I've got a bit more time. But have someone in your life that you give permission to speak into your life. And that, that works both ways, doesn't it? That connection. Say, what is God saying to you about me? Wow, put them on the, put pressure on them right there and then. And so I give you permission. I give you permission to tell me the reasons why I haven't grown up. I give you permission to speak truth to me in love. In love, guys. You know, we're not trying to bite and devour one another. At least there's nothing left. I give you permission to speak into my life of why I'm not growing spiritually or why I'm struggling with sin or why my relationships don't work or why I'm struggling reading the scripture, why I'm struggling to pray, why I'm struggling to get God's word into my life. I give you permission to help me, come alongside me and uplift, encourage challenge you know there's maybe reasons that you're struggling and you're struggling because of your own choices and that's not easy to hear is it that this is your own fault that you're in this place nobody wants to hear that everyone wants to look to external look to something else that's happened to make you know and maybe it is maybe this isn't your fault okay but come to that point like the the younger son in the pig pen after he'd spent all his dad's money, and he comes to himself. And he rea- the realization is a harsh one that he sinned against his father, he sinned against God, and he needs to turn around and look where he is. He's longing to eat the food that the pigs eat, because that is where he's at. That realization, that is a difficult one. But the story doesn't finish in the pig pen, praise God. Because his father's house, there is a robe, there are slippers, there's a ring, there's all that symbolism is amazing. If you just read that story with that kind of what has God got for me, that, that robe of righteousness, that authority, that, that position in the house. You know, slaves didn't wear shoes, but sons wore shoes. It's beautiful imagery, isn't it? You know what God has planned for us. And when we come to our end of ourselves and we say, God, I need you. And you've got that person who's going to help you. That real friend that's able to speak into your life, to help you grow, direct you towards Christ and away from the sin that's destroying your life. Yes, it's your choice. But you know what? There is a devil. There is an enemy. And, and you read in Genesis, it says he's the most deceiving, conniving uh, creature that ever was. Yes, this might be your fault. But you know what? You've been deceived. And I say, let's break the power of the deceiver off our lives. And someone can see when you're in deception. Someone who's not involved in it can see that you've been deceived. And you can say, actually, I don't believe those lies that the enemy has told me. I don't believe them. 
And then that temptation comes. And that temptation is always a lie. It's always a lie. Try this and your life will be better. Do this and you'll be happy. Get this thing and you'll feel fulfilled. You know, that's a consumerist we live in. You know, go and sleep with this person and, you know, you'll feel great. Well, no, you won't. It's going to lead you down the path of hell and destruction, but you've been deceived. Come on, there's a... It's going very quiet in here, isn't it? We need to break the power of the deceiver and we need someone who's doing life with us to see where we've gone wrong. Because sometimes we're deceived and we can't see it. So how are we going to do this? Speaking the truth in love, it says in Ephesians 4 verse 15. Why? Because we must grow up in every way. Oh wow, thanks, that's encouraging. We grow up into the head which is Christ. You know, you read Ephesians 4 in context, and I've got a couple of minutes, so I'll do that. How are we going to grow up? He says it like this. The gifts that Christ gave, that would some would be apostles, some would be prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers. He gave these gifts to equip the saints. That's everybody here. You're all a saint, sanctified by God. For the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is building up the body of Christ until all of us, all of us, we don't finish the work until we've all grown up or built up. Until all of us come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ, that we're no longer children tossed to and fro, Blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by craftiness, by deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way to Christ, who is the head. From whom the whole body is joined and knit together by every ligament which is equipped. And each part that does its work properly and to promote the body growth, the body's growth, building itself up in love. When the body does all what it was supposed to do and it comes together, that is a sense of belonging, that we're part of a body. And not every part is the same and that's okay. Some people do different things and have different gifts and different talents and I think it's only when we appreciate those that we come together. And it's not that we're creating an us and them. You know, that's, God speaks about one body not us versus them, and that everyone feels like they belong and everyone knows they belong. That's a lovely scripture in Isaiah 56. It says this, Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has the occasion to say that God put me in second class and that I don't really belong. Isn't that a lovely way of saying that? God has not put you in second class and don't you ever say that I don't really belong. And make sure no physically disabled person is ever made to think that I am damaged goods and I don't really belong. And I'd say that for more than physically disabled. I'd say that for people that are really struggling in any way that they say, let them not say because I'm damaged, I don't belong. And our belonging means, you know, our attitudes start to change. Our beliefs start to change once we belong. And then as we belong, we begin to do life together. So then we start to believe. There's a, a story of um, 
uh, Origen, one of the early church fathers. And Gregory, a young man, came to see Origen. And he said, I want to learn your doctrine. I want to know what you believe. And his answer comes to him. And this was like 300 AD. This is a few years ago. He said, first come and live our life, and then you will learn our ways. Let's do life together, then you'll find out what we believe. This is Jesus. Come, follow me. Follow me first, then you'll begin to believe, and then I'll make you. Then you'll become all you're supposed to be become. I'm going to close, and I'll finish this another week. Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can come together with a new sense of believing and belonging and becoming. I thank you, Lord, that you have begun a good work in us, and you will complete it that you're causing us to grow, you're causing us to change, you're causing us to come closer in fellowship with one another, and you're calling us to come in fellowship with you and your spirit. I ask that you open up the scriptures to us. I ask that you open up our lives to one another. I ask that you open up new things, new avenues. And I pray, Lord, we have ears to hear what your spirit is saying to us, challenging us, encouraging us. Lord, and we just come against the work of the enemy that would try and deceive us, that would try and pull us apart, that would try and create an us and them, that would cry, try and create division and disharmony. And I, and I pray for unity and the bond of peace. I pray that we come together as one body, with one mind, of one heart, of one faith, and one baptism. Because uh, there is only one Lord, one God, one Father who is over them all, and in all, and through all. And we thank you for this. And we bless you, Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. It's good, amen. Shall we stand and let's sing about um, who God says we are. Let's sing about who Christ says we are. Let's sing about who we are in Christ. You know, sometimes we can get bombarded, can't we, by the world around us and what it says we should be like, etc., blah, blah, blah. But let's sing about what God says we are. Okay. that the highest would welcome me. I was lost, but he brought me, oh, his love for me, oh, his love for me. Who oh, the sun sets free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of Grace runs deep While I was a slave to sin, he 
Yeah.